Business sentiment in the manufacturing and services sectors improved in January, according to the Taiwan Institute of Economic Research. In the think tank's latest monthly survey, sentiment in manufacturing climbed to its highest point since October 2007. In Tier's latest business sentiment survey, the composite index for manufacturing reached its highest point since October 2007. Sentiment in the service sector rose for the second month in a row, although the construction industry extended a downward trend. This year, Taiwan is very fortunate in being able to ride the COVID boom, which has supported recovery in traditional manufacturing and innovation in ICT. Both those things are happening, and that's taken manufacturing sentiment to new heights. Last year, a manufacturing sector or the export industry picked up pace. This year, growth will depend on the momentum in domestic demand and consumption. So the economic engines of the two years are different. Business sentiment is rising, and according to Tier, it mainly traces back to three factors. First, there's the continued demand for electronics and ICT and the recovery of manufacturing. Second, sectors hit hard by COVID now stand to benefit from so-called revenge spending. Finally, there's the explosive growth of the semiconductor sector. In the semiconductor sector, the delivery times are getting longer and in some cases the product is simply out of stock or the range is widening for price increases. The entire chip sector has entered a new commodity supercycle. Turning to equities, the TIEX has already hit record highs in the year of the ox. Tier said it's optimistic that the growth of the market is sustainable. Looking at the flow of capital, more money is coming in than going out. I think that this is an important short-term driver for the market. This year, it looks like the new Taiwan dollar, at least for the first half of the year, will maintain its upward trend. So long as the new Taiwan dollar doesn't weaken, there will continue to be a positive effect in the market. In addition to high-tech exports, traditional industries have also returned to normal operations. The fundamentals of the economic engine look quite promising now. Thanks to the world's central banks continuing with monetary easing, capital will look for reliable investment targets, and Taiwan is certainly one. Tier said that for the economy, there is smooth sailing ahead. According to IHS Market's latest estimate, Taiwan's GDP this year will stand at 4%. So this year, Taiwan GDP will indeed be 4% with an eye on 5%. There shouldn't be any problem reaching that. In the latest government report, Taiwan's GDP growth in last year's fourth quarter was 5.09%, while annual growth exceeded 3%. In the report, the government also revised its GDP growth forecast for 2021 from 383 to 4.64%, the highest since 2015. Phase two clinical trials are well underway for two Taiwan developers of COVID vaccines. Today, we stopped by Tango Memorial Hospital in Linko to meet some of those bearing their arms for the trial. These study participants have accepted the risk to give Taiwan a shot at producing a game-changing vaccine. This subject shows the site of a COVID vaccine he was just administered. When asked if he's worried about the side effects, he says not at all. No, I believe in Taiwan. Taiwan is very small, but we don't need to rely on the efforts overseas. We can make a vaccine ourselves. Just now I asked the doctor, who said that if I really am worried, it's better not to receive the vaccine. But I feel that the concerns are a bit exaggerated. We ought to trust our own country's products. The doctor said I may experience mild pain, along with dizziness and related symptoms. But right now I feel fine. 
Taoyuan General Hospital Superintendent Xu Yongnian is among those who signed up to take the jab. Here at the clinical trial site at Linko's Changgeng Memorial Hospital, we see doctors and nurses among the volunteers. Basically, all of us know that some side effects are experienced in clinical trials. Some people might say, you're a guinea pig in an experiment. I think it all depends on how you think about it. If the analyzed data that emerges from this situation is positive, that would be a very good thing for Taiwan. Three Taiwan companies are developing COVID vaccines. At the end of last year, Medigen was the first to be approved for phase two trials, and it's already recruited thousands of participants. United Biomedical got the green light for phase two last month, and it plans to recruit 3,850 people by March. Adamune is the slowest of the three, and it's still in the first phase of human testing. As for timelines, Medigen hopes to apply for emergency use authorization as early as June, while United Biomedical is looking at September. The work on domestic vaccines seems to be progressing quite smoothly. There have been no reports of unusual adverse reactions. Gradually, testing will expand to high-risk and sensitive groups. The health minister said that even if disruptions affect the procurement of foreign-made vaccines, local jabs should be ready for use in the near future. To make that possible, everyday heroes are rolling up their sleeves to do their part for Taiwan's COVID fight. Now, sausage comes in every shape and size, but one farmers association in Hualien has produced a sausage sweeter than any you've had before. The magic ingredient is taro, more commonly found in desserts. Farmers from Ji'an Township say their taro is so good, it would be a shame to keep it out of the main course. Inside this taro pastry is a soft and delectable taro paste filling. These slices of taro roll are almost more taro than cake. This sago and bubble tea are full of the sweet purple veggie too. Next up though, a surprising entry in the taro roll of honour. Sausages in a saucepan. The delicious scent of sausage mingles with the sweet notes of taro. Open it up and you can spot tiny half a centimetre long specks of taro in the meat. We used taro, diced into half centimetre chunks, added it into the sausage and we found it has a really delicious taste. The taro sausage has become a star in Ji'an Farmers Association product range. Ji'an has the fifth largest area dedicated to growing taro of any township in Taiwan. More than 2,000 tonnes are produced annually. The rolling fields are a great place for children to try out the farmer's life. In Ji'an, we have this wonderful fertile soil created by soil deposits from the Mugua River, as well as the excellent water of the river itself, and that's why we can cultivate Ji'an's excellent taro. This farmer took to the land after a career in logistics. Taro is a popular choice for young farmers, and the Farmers Association is determined to wave the flag for its delicious products across Taiwan.
Poor air quality is forecast for the western half of Taiwan for the coming days. According to the Environmental Protection Administration, the wind shifted on Thursday and are now blowing in from the east. As mountains shield western Taiwan from the easterly winds, they create conditions that trap pollutants in the lower atmosphere. Slow wind speeds are making matters worse. In northern and central Taiwan, 13 monitoring stations flash red for unhealthy on Thursday. Air quality is not expected to improve until until Saturday, when northeasterly winds will strengthen and bring rain to northern Taiwan. However, unhealthy air is still expected this weekend for some areas in the south. This Sunday is the anniversary of the 228 incident, the violent crackdown of a popular uprising in 1947. Ahead of the day, President Tsai Ing-wen attended a symposium on the 228 incident as lived by the indigenous peoples of Taiwan. Academia Historica held a symposium Thursday on the 228 incident from the perspective of indigenous peoples. President Tsai attended the event's opening ceremony, where she underscored the importance of transitional justice. Presenting these diverse historical memories will help us, 74 years later, to understand the impact of the 228 incident more completely and profoundly. At the same time, I believe that only when we listen and see different groups' memories of the 228 incident can we truly accomplish our goal of finding historical truth during our efforts toward transitional justice. Tai praised the efforts Academia Historica and other government agencies are making to restore the diversity of history. With just a few days to go until the 74th anniversary of the 228 incident, Tai reiterated the government's position. For the government, the history of the 228 incident is no longer taboo. The perspective of the indigenous peoples on the 228 incident will no longer be ignored. I hope that we can be humbled by your history so that history doesn't repeat itself in our democratic Taiwan. We must remain hopeful about the future. Since assuming office, President Tsai has attended the central government's 228 incident memorial event at Taipei's 228 Peace Park each year. This year, the event will be held in Kaohsiung, outside the Kaohsiung Museum of History. Tsai will be attending the ceremony with President Su Zhencheng and Kaohsiung Mayor Chen Qimai. Meanwhile, the guests invited to the ceremony in Taipei include Taipei Mayor Ke Wenzhe and former President Ma Ying-jeou. Also on Thursday, President Tsai Ing-wen hosted a reception to honor four badminton stars, including men's singles player Zhou Tiancheng. World number one Dai Ziying was unable to attend, but received a shout-out from the president on social media. The athletes had represented Taiwan at three Thailand tournaments in January, where they picked up four golds, two silvers and four bronze medals. Their next goal is to rack up enough points to qualify for July's Tokyo Olympics. Taiwan is seeing a wave of new immigrants from Hong Kong, triggered by the territory's recent political turbulence. Figures show a record number applied for residents last year, surpassing 12,000. Many choose New Taipei as their home, saying they prefer to be just outside the bustle of the capital. Eyes fixed on the oven. These two are enjoying making a glass ornament, but they're not tourists. They both moved to Taiwan permanently from Hong Kong. I came over in 2019. When the Occupy Central movement broke out in Hong Kong, I felt things were getting worse in Hong Kong, worse and worse. That's when I started thinking I wanted to emigrate and leave Hong Kong. We can see that in the places where the Chinese government is running things, they mess everything up. 
I came to Taiwan before my children graduated high school. Triggered by anti-extradition law protests, there's been a major wave of immigrants leaving Taiwan. Taiwan is the top destination. Mainland Affairs Council statistics show that since 2019, there has been market growth in Hong Kongers applying for residence in Taiwan. In 2020, there were more than 12,300, with over 10,000 seeking temporary residence and over 1,500 seeking permanent residence. Both are record highs since 2016. In contrast, applications for Macau residents have fallen. I currently live in Danshui District, New Taipei, because I feel Danshui is more like Hong Kong. It's fairly close to the city center and quite prosperous, but not too crowded. I don't want to live the stress-out life I had in Hong Kong anymore. I don't want so many people and so much hustle and bustle, so I chose Danshui. Escaping the hustle and bustle is a common theme for Hong Kongers who choose Taiwan. Figures show New Taipei is their top choice of city. Last year alone, 3,095 Hong Kongers settled there. Next popular was Taipei, then Taoyuan and Taichung. Experts say Taoyuan's mature travel links and work opportunities are a draw. Taichung is a hub for Taiwanese business people, but no need to fear a property speculation bubble. Most Hong Kongers buying property are buying to occupy, not looking to play landlord. If you like miniatures and dioramas, the Life in Miniature exhibition in Taipei may just be the place for you. The venue is full of dioramas created by renowned artists Taguchi Yamada from Japan and Taiwan's own Hank Cheng. With 60 dioramas depicting scenes of daily life, the exhibition offers a slice of Taiwan and Japan without having to travel far. For Mosa News reporter Stephanie Yang takes us in for a look. The exhibition features 60 dioramas inspired by life in Taiwan and Japan. Visitors can experience what life was like in the 1920s to 1989. This exhibition features works by Yamada and Zen. Yamada grew up during Japan's Showa era, which lasted from 1926 to 1989. He created several diorama pieces inspired by his own life and observations. For example, this work titled Bus Stop depicts a Showa era winter morning scene. There are also pieces by Zen, who previously studied in Japan. He created a variety of works featuring places in Japan, such as an izakaya and a restaurant specializing in eel dishes. This piece called Thank You For Taking Care Of Me is Zen's recreation of a Japanese eel restaurant he visited in 2016. Zen captured the appearance of the shop through satellite photos and photos provided by his friend. This is the only work in which Zheng included himself in the scene. You can see that he is holding a miniature model in his hand to thank the owner of the eel restaurant for taking special care of him during a competition in 2016. He created this model to thank the boss. During this pandemic, I really miss the streets of Japan. I feel that izakayas like this are the most traditional representation of Japanese culture. I am touched. I feel that he has recreated it very well, and it feels a bit like returning home. There are also several pieces inspired by Taiwanese streets. This piece created by Zen is called Miracles of the Namiya General Store. It features mini motorcycles, old newspapers, and claw machines. Another work inspired by Taiwan is this piece by Yamada called Shilin Night Market. This diorama model was inspired by a fried chicken stall at the Shilin Night Market. 
He likes to eat at night markets. Back then, he ate at the first hot star fried chicken cutlet store. After returning to Japan, he really missed the chicken cutlets, so he created a chicken stand diorama. Both of the works are very distinctive. I think it's a great inspiration for children to engage in art, so I made the trip from Taichung just to see the exhibition. The organizers have also made life-size recreations of two of the dioramas to allow visitors to fully experience the streets of Japan and Taiwan. The Life in Miniature exhibition is being held at Huashan 1914 Creative Park and will run until April 5th. For Mosa News, Stephanie Yang, Zhang Weiyao in Taipei. The drain of young people away from Taiwan's rural communities is inevitable, but some villages are turning back the tide. One of the best-known hacker villages in Taiwan is Zutian Township in Pingdong County. The village has managed to draw back some of its prodigal sons and daughters to carry on the traditional industries of their parents. Primarily a farming community, the traditionally brewed soy sauce and stunning orchid flowers are also local specialties. Lee Chen-jung takes care over each step of the soy sauce brewing process. He's inherited this brewery from his father, a local legend who made soy sauce his life. The products made here still have the exquisite flavor they always did. How do you make soy sauce? You need to be very meticulous. Throughout the process, if you get a single step a bit wrong, you can't go back and fix it. His father, Li Antian, started working in a soy sauce brewery at a young age, before starting the doyobo business in 1972. Now Li Chen-jong and his sister Li Ming-fang have inherited the brewery. They're refining the traditional methods. The hardest period is from starting up until the business is stable. I dream about making soy sauce at night. Another second-generation business owner in the township is Chen Hongzhi, who left his job managing a hotel 12 years ago to turn around the fortunes of his dad's orchid farm. When I first came back to Zhutian, I designed us a kind of share system, a bit like earnings per share. I analyzed the running costs and production value of each piece of land so that we could work together to solve the number problems. Next to the orchid farm, Chen opened a leisure farm complex to allow visitors to come in and enjoy the flowers up close. I wanted to work out how to make our plants a little floral kingdom famous around the world. Seeing as I have the service sector experience in the hotel industry, I wanted to see if I could combine the two. Chen shows that bringing your skills back to your hometown can reap unexpected rewards. He hopes the flowers will be another attraction bringing visitors to enjoy Zhutian's idyllic charm. Taiwan loves coffee, be it from coffee shops, convenience stores or supermarkets. To lure in customers, these establishments sometimes launch promotions like buy one get one free or buy one get 50% off. But why not just offer each beverage at half price? Marketing expert Tang Yuanjin explains. When convenience stores offer buy one get one free for coffee, or when they have even better deals, what they're hoping to do is bring in more customers. When more customers walk into the shop, they buy a coffee but also other items. As for coffee shops, they can't afford to have steep deals because that would eat into their earnings. It would be a direct loss to profit. The expert explains that different business models use offers and discounts in different ways. He adds that some discounts trigger a positive response, while others don't. 
For instance, a buy one get one free promotion tends to make customers feel that they are getting one drink for free. A 50% off offer, on the other hand, tends to make customers feel cheated because they paid full price for the beverage before.